Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 19th of February 2020 Hong Kong Stories podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. Relationships with the people around you are tricky. People who live in high-density cities like Hong Kong, where we're jumbled and jostled together, tend to have a very high EQ. I love the different personalities and people I meet here, even in times like the past few weeks, when everyone's being very careful to limit the time they spend in public places. It's important that we all get along as best we can, and today, while we're not touching anything around us and looking for new places to buy hand sanitizer, we'll be listening to two stories, one from Gina about encounters with people from a different culture to the one she grew up in, and a story from me about getting along with family members. Before we get to today's stories, however, a big, huge thank you goes out to our loyal Hong Kong listeners. Hang in there, Hong Kong. Things will get better. Thanks go out, too, to our overseas listeners, including listeners in Mountain View and Fremont in California in the United States, Marzen and Rotterdam in the Netherlands, and Kazan in the Russian Federation. Thanks for letting our stories into your ears. Our February show has been postponed. The entire population of our glorious city is in a holding pattern at the moment. With kids being off school and public gatherings discouraged, we decided to try again in March for our next show. It will have the same theme, Fifty Shades of Red, and will be as awesome as ever. Have a look at the website, hongkongstories.com, for details about how to find what's happening in the next few months. Now with the story from the 2019 Top Notch show last May, here is Gina. Growing up in Russia, I used to love watching these short films, 5-10 minutes, about school kids and the weird, funny situations they got themselves into. This one film I particularly liked. It was a scene in a school hallway with two boys about 8-9 years old, one of them eating a tangerine, really enjoying it, peeling it bit by bit. And you can just see the pleasure in his eyes as he put a piece in his mouth, and you can feel together with him this burst of this deliciously refreshing flavor. The other kid was standing next to him, watching him take that every bite, staring at him this whole time. And you can see in his big sad eyes how much he wanted to have a bite of this amazing and exotic fruit. He said nothing the entire time until the first kid was done. He finally found the courage and said, you know, if I had a tangerine, I would have shared it with you. The other kid looked at him as if only then noticing his presence and said, yeah, that is too bad you don't have a tangerine. <laughs> I don't know if it was the influence of that film or what, but years later, I developed quite peculiar eating habits myself. It all started with me applying for a scholarship to go as an exchange student to America for a year from Moscow University. Being an exchange student in America, that's been a dream of mine since... I was a little born baby. American college life. So fun and so exciting and all these new people and experiences. 
but so far away from my reality. With tens of thousands of applicants for each spot, getting that scholarship was like winning a lottery. So studying for it a little extra or even a lot extra wasn't going to do it. I had to think out of the box. So I figured I'm going to make a deal with the universe. That should definitely increase my chances. We all make deals with the universe, right? But what kind of deal? You don't just get something for nothing. You have to give something to get something. I'd give up anything to get the scholarship. I'd give up eating if I have to. And I love eating. Dinners are my favorite. Okay, fine. I will give up eating after 5 p.m. That cuts before dinner or even snack beforehand. I, Gina, solemnly swear that I will not eat a bite of food after 5 p.m. every day, including weekends and public holidays. Or else something bad might happen. A punishment. And in return, if I could please have this scholarship that I so desperately want, please, dear universe, pretty please. And as it happened, I won the scholarship. <laughs> the universe must have heard me. <laughs> I was beyond thrilled. I was in America, living the dream, living it all. American college life, all these new people and experiences and so fun and exciting. And then I remembered my little deal with the universe about the five o'clock rule. No eating after five. It wasn't easy. Cuts before dinner or even snack beforehand. But a deal is a deal. And if I break it, there will be, or else, a punishment. And so I lived in fear of my self-imposed rules. And I stuck to it, religiously, obsessive-compulsively. This one time, we went out with a group of people that I desperately wanted to be friends with to a nearby movie theater. This girl, Carly, who said, who knew everybody and the one I just had to be best friends forever with. She said she'd come too. She was running a bit late, but she'd, she'd come. I saved her and I'll sit next to me. It was well after five o'clock and I was hungry. I couldn't be social. I couldn't focus. All I can think about was how hungry I was. People around me enjoying the American-sized buckets of popcorn and barrels of Coca-Cola and the smell of fake butter of a popcorn and the crinkling sounds of opening a bag of potato chips, shaking it a bit first and then making a popping sound right before the bag opens. I was hungry. But I could not eat. I could not eat, but nobody said anything about licking. <laughs> because, because chewing and swallowing, that's eating. Licking and swallowing, 
That's not eating. Right? I was so excited about my realization, and I rushed to go get a bag of potato chips. Ruffled sour cream and onion. Mmm, my favorite. So I take one chip and give it a good big lick. And then I turn it around and do the same thing on the other side. And this burst of flavor, the sensation just rushed into my mouth. And I devoured all the salt and grease and who knows what else that the chips were smothered with. Mmm, sour cream and onion, definitely my favorite. As the chips were ruffled, there was still some of that delicious chemical powder left between the ruffles. So I'd lick each wrinkle between each ruffle until I was certain that all the salt and all the grease and who knows what else were fully consumed. Now, what do I do with the evidence of my peculiar behavior? I wanted to fit in. I wanted to make friends. Licking chips wasn't exactly the way to go about it. I had to hide the evidence. Where? The licked chips had to go back in the bag. But now, how do I distinguish licked chips versus unlicked? By touch. Licked ones are still, the licked ones are soggy. The unlicked ones are still crispy. Okay, this could work. So I take one chip, lick front, back, sides between the ruffles, put back in the bag. Take another one, front, back, side between the ruffles. That works. Genius. Quite impressive, right? As I was finishing what felt like the last chip, Kelly finally walked in. She flipped her beautiful blonde hair, smiled at me with her pearl white teeth, and I was mesmerized. I wanted to be friends with her so, so bad. She looked at my bag full of chips and said, Mmm, ruffled sour cream and onion, my favorite. Can I have one? Right. Can she have one? I reached into the bag to see if there were any crispy ones left. But my hand was surrounded by soggy mush. I looked again at Kelly and back again at my bag. Sorry, Kelly. No, you cannot have a chip. No? No. Her face changed into a surprised or sad kind of expression. Really? Yeah. You know, if I had a bag of chips, I would have shared it with you. Yeah, that is too bad you don't have a bag of chips. <laughs> Would you share your chips with me? After listening to Gina's story, maybe I'll just get my own. 
Gina started telling stories with us by coming to a workshop. And even though our workshops have been postponed until March, we'll be back soon and ready to go again. In the meantime, get your stories ready and keep an eye on the website, hongkongstories.com, for details of upcoming workshops. Today, I'd like to invite you to give another Hong Kong-based podcast a listen. Hashtag impact. Anyone who cares should be all over this, the podcast listeners say. As you eavesdrop on these intimate conversations with movers and shakers in the social impact and sustainability space, we think you will feel inspired and encouraged to become part of the bigger hashtag impact story too. In one of their latest episodes, you can hear the beautiful voices and powerful messages of hashtag impact listeners as they share inspiration on how you can start to make a positive impact in the world. Listen to hashtag impact at hashtag impact.com and reach out to hashtag impact creator Regina Larco at hello at hashtag impact.com for further details. Now, here is one of my stories told in 2017 about an evening spent with family. Hey, I say to Andrew, as he shows me the room I'm going to be staying in for the next week. Those are some pretty cool tractors. Yeah, they are, aren't they, he says. I put them there especially because I need you to be staying here. I know you're obsessed with miniature stuff, and I knew you'd just love it. I smile as I put down my bag. You know, we're adults now, but some things never really change. This was a momentous visit for me. Uh, It was an attempt for me to reconnect with this really strange, really unique, really crazy guy in my life who... We had kind of missed connections for quite a long time. He's three years younger than I am, and and we'd always had a tumultuous relationship. Ups and downs and pushes and pulls, and things were never, ever going completely smoothly. But I loved him like a brother, which is good, because that's what he was, and I didn't have much choice. (laughs) When we were kids... We always had this rivalry going on, him more than any other sibling of mine. And we could never, ever let things go. Everything ended up being points scored against one another in competition, barbed comments. And I was really looking forward to having an adult conversation with him and starting to maybe have an adult relationship with him. We hadn't connected in quite a long time. He'd had things going on in his life that hadn't worked out so well. I was living far away in a far-off land, and I was really looking forward to trying to make this into a some kind of reconciliation without going too deeply into it. But, you know, old habits die hard. And when I saw those three miniature tractors sitting on that shelf in the room that I was going to stay in for a week, I thought to myself, I thought, I really want one of those tractors. And Andrew doesn't really give me things. He's He's not a gifter to me. And so I made it a bit of a personal goal. I would consider myself one up. If I could get him to gift me a tractor by the end of the holiday... Old habits die hard. 
So the, the trip's going really well. The first couple of days, he's showing me around his neighborhood in Vancouver. And it's really nice because I used to live in the same neighborhood many, many years ago. And he's showing me all the stuff that we used to do, taking me out to a couple of cafes that are really familiar. He takes, drives me around the neighborhood in his little two-seater blue convertible. We go and hang out in the parks and walk around. And then it's the weekend. And my older brother, Adam, joins us as well. And we're like the three musketeers together again. We haven't been together, just the three of us, for many, many years. And he takes us out to a gig. Um, he's a brilliant musician. And we happily, all three of us, dance and sway and drink and have a really great time until about 1 a.m. when it's time to go home. We get home, and we're all a little bit wasted by this time. We stumble in his living room door and collapse on the sofa and... It's just, it's so nice for the three of us to be together. Andrew gets up and he gets a couple of beers, makes me a gin and tonic. And I look around the living room, which is like an Aladdin's cave of weirdness. There's musical instruments absolutely everywhere, most of which I can't even name. There's a stuffed caiman playing a banjo in the corner and three gigantic fish tanks that take up a large portion of the room and are filled with the most boring fish you've ever seen. In the center of the room, and amongst all the sofas, there's this 1970s-style Art Deco coffee table, which is also cluttered with loads and loads of weird crap. Right? There's guitar picks and tuners, as you'd expect. There's weird-shaped boxes filled with who knows what. And there's all kinds of odd coins and odd currencies. And there's piles of books everywhere. Anyways, we're sitting there, and I'm stuffing my face with some dill pickle chips because it's Canada, and I'm home. And, you know, Andrew goes to me. He goes, hey, Rachel, reach underneath that coffee table there. Pull out a couple of those books. So I do. I slide my hand underneath the coffee table, and it comes up with three copies of Penguin Classics, all the same, all dog-eared and well-used, three copies of The Merchant of Venice, and I'm thinking, huh? So he turned to him and said, you know, what's, why do you have three copies of the same book? He's like, oh, I've got more than that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, he says, you know, well, sh- clearly, I mean, Saturday night and your friends come over and you're having a few drinks and you're having a good time, you know, what do you do? We read Merchant of Venice. <laughs> and this is, you know... <laughs> I'm realizing this is, this is why I want this guy in my life, because his randomness is just too awesome not to have. Right? And I go, okay, I've never actually done that before, but I, you know, whatever, whatever you're into. He goes, yeah, yeah, here, let me show you. Here, give me one. So I give one to him and one to Adam. And he says, turn to page 72. See, we're all on the same page, because it's the same book. <laughs> and he says, Adam, you read Shylock. Rachel, Bassanio. Okay. And Adam's like, um... Takes a sip of his beer. 3,000 ducats, well. And, and I go, mm, indeed, uh, for three months. For three months, well. No, 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 says Andrew, and he stops us. He said, no, 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 no. Say it again with feeling this time. <laughs> and so we do. We say it again with feeling this time. And... This is what we do for quite a long time, and it's surprisingly fun. A little weird, but entertaining. We're having a pretty good time. It's about 2 a.m. by this time. And we're reading it out, 
having some snacks, having some drinks, having a really good time with one another, arguing about how the characters' voices should actually sound and what Shylock's motivation is. And, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome because I've not had this experience with my brother, either one of them, in a long time. We don't get to see a lot of one another, and, and it's going better than I ever expected it could. Around about 3 o'clock, though, we're all starting to fade. We're not any of us as young as we used to be. And all this literature has taken a bit of a toll on us. So Adam and I start to make noises about, you know, we're going to go off and, and go to sleep. And just as I'm about to get up and go, Andrew turns to me and he says, Hey, you know those tractors in your room? And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is it. I'm getting a tractor. He's going to give me a tractor. It's going to be this easy, you know? And he says, you know those tractors in your room? Go get them. So I trot off, and I go in and get the tractors, and I bring them back, and they're tiny little wee, I mean really small, tiny little John Deere tractors in green and yellow, and they're so perfect. They look like they could plow a little field at any given moment, pull a tiny little wagon full of hay. They're just, they're so lovely. I want one of these directors. But I don't want to say this, right? I'm totally cool. And I just put him down in front of him and in front of Adam. I say, yeah, here you go. Whatever. And uh, he looks at me and he says, well, there's three of us and there's three tractors. I can see that. I can count as well. <laughs> he says, there's three of us, and there's three tractors. And he picks up a tractor, and he looks me straight in the eye, and he says, I'll eat one if you eat one. <laughs> <laughs> and my first reaction is, oh, yeah, it's on. I'm not going to let him win. No way is he going to score off me. And the tractor's actually on its way to my mouth when I have a thought. And that thought gives me a pause. And I have a second thought. And the second thought is, it doesn't need to be this way. <laughs> sure, I could eat a tractor. And possibly the three of us could end up in an emergency ward somewhere with perforated bowels due to ingesting farm implements. But it doesn't have to be this way. I could be the adult and say no. I could change our relationship here in this one moment. I can make that decision. So I put the tractor down and I say, I'm not going to eat a tractor. I'm sorry. And he goes, oh, all right, cool. And Adam just rolls his eyes and gets up and goes off to his room. And, you know, that day I, I didn't win. But I didn't really lose either, because we did start a new chapter in our lives. We do have a better relationship now. We talk quite frequently. We have a lot more connections. And it's pretty awesome having this weird, strange, completely unique person in my life. But I do have to admit that the first thought, when the tractor was on its way to my mouth, wasn't actually be the adult in the situation. It was, I'm not entirely sure if my medical insurance covers <laughs> hospital visits due to ingesting tractors. 
Thanks for listening to today's stories brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. The music for this podcast was created and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Everyone has a story to tell. <laughs>